This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Taking your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, to the book of Hebrews chapter number 12 is where we're going to spend some time today. We're in our third week of a series of this month. And I've, I've enjoyed the last few weeks kind of kicking off the series, and today is going to be just as awesome. I trust that you open up your heart and receive it. Uh, today, to Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 1, is our text. That's where we're going to jump in. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and we're going to stop there. Because I want you to fully understand what we just said and what we've read. Therefore, because we're surrounded by these incredible people, what people? Well, you had to read chapter 11 to know what people. Chapter 11 gives this long list of great men and women that have done incredible things for God by using faith, by activating faith, by living in faith. And I'm going to stop there and answer your question. Some of you want to know, well, what is, what is faith exactly? I'm going to give you a real good, easy definition you can remember for the rest of your life, especially our students. I want all of us listening. Here's a good definition of what faith is. Faith is easy. It's just this. I believe that God is who he says he is and that God can do what he says he can do. Faith is simply believing that God is who he says he is. And that he can do what he says he can do. So back to chapter 11, all these men and women that did things through faith, they simply took the limits off of God and believed that he could do what he said he could do. And because of that, they they now have their names written in chapter 11, the hall of fame of faith. So back to chapter number 12, because of these people, because of these people, let us... That's you and me. Let us now throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles. And let us, me and you, let us now run our Christian race with perseverance, the race marked out for us. You have possibly said something to your family. Maybe you're a a high schooler today and maybe you heard something really cool about your grandpa or or your uncle and you have said something like, man, I just want to be like him. I want to, I want to travel like he did. I want to serve in the military like he did. I want to experience things like he did. Well, that's kind of the premise of this series. Because of what these men and women of faith did, we now should want to pick up that ball and run with it and live for God by faith. So my series that we're in is, is kind of an idea spun off of this thought What would they say? What would those people in the Bible that did incredible things, what would they tell us today? If they could have five minutes with us, ten minutes with us, is there anything they would say to us that would help us today? Well, the first Sunday, we talked about a guy named Noah. And Noah told us a lot of cool things to help us in our life. And if you weren't here, that message is available to you to listen on our app, Calvary FTW, or you can just go straight to the website, calvaryftw.com. Listen to that message on Noah. And then last Sunday was Mother's Day, so we talked about 
and, and listened to the story of, of a mother in Scripture. Her name was Sarah. And she, she spoke some wisdom into our lives. So today, we're going to go further into this series. And today, we're going to look into a man's life by the name of Jacob. Jacob. Now, let me help you uh, real quick put together who Jacob was. A little snapshot. Last Sunday, we talked about Sarah. Her husband's name was Abraham, and Abraham and Sarah were promised a baby. And, and you know, before the story was over, God blessed Abraham and Sarah with a baby boy named Isaac. Well, Isaac then gets married to Rebekah, and they have two kids by the name of Esau and Jacob. So this guy Jacob is actually the grandson of who we talked about last Sunday. So I'm fixing to give you some cool facts about him. Some of these are, are going to hit home with you. You're going to fully understand uh, why I'm choosing to preach about him. Jacob had a name that, that meant a lot more than just, just his given name. It had, a, it had a little reputation with it. If you study scripture and you, and you come across the name Jacob, you think about some things. And most of them are not good. You think about him being a deceiver. He was a con artist. He was a trickster. A supplanter. Jacob was one slick dude. And he got himself into a lot of problems because he loved to mess with people and trick people and con people. But it wasn't like practical joke stuff funny. It was critical stuff he was basically a lying, cheating dude. Well, he conned his brother out of his birthright. In other words, his brother was firstborn. He should have been the, the, the brother or the son, rather, that should have inherited everything. But Jacob was such a con artist, he conned his way into uh, lying his way into being given the promises and the blessing of his father. Well, here's how life is. There's a law. It's called sowing and reaping. You do enough people wrong, eventually you're going to be done wrong. And this is what happened to Jacob. He fell in love. He found him a good-looking girl and wanted to marry her. Her name was Rachel. And he went to Rachel's dad. And he said, here's the deal. She is so pretty. I want to marry her. I want to do life with her. Can I have your daughter's hand in marriage? <laughs> and I think I'm going to be the first modern day dad to pull this one. Her dad said, sure, that's a great idea, but you're going to work for me for seven years. Y'all think that would go over today? <laughs> Boy, am I glad my father-in-law didn't pull that on me. But this is what happened. Jacob said, I love your daughter. I want to marry her. And he says, well, you're going to have to work for her. You're going to have to work for her for seven years. Because I know who you are. You're a little trickster. You're a little deceiver. You're a little con artist, little fella. And, and I just need to fill out who you really are. And I think in seven years of hard manual labor, I can kind of get an idea of who you are. And he goes, well, man, I love her, so I'm willing to do it. Well, in seven years later, <laughs> he got played, man. Because here comes down the aisle, the pretty bride with a veil over her head. And then when she pulls that veil up to give him a big old kiss at the wedding altar, it was a girl named Leah. Rachel's sister. So Jacob's like, what's up? I, th this isn't the woman I worked for. And the father-in-law just grins and says, I'm getting rid of both of these girls. 
And he says, if you want to marry Rachel, you're going to have to work for me another seven years. And he's like, I got to work for you another seven years and put up with a woman that I don't really want to put up with. And his father-in-law said, yeah, if you really love her, you'll do it. And all of us smitten fellas, all of us guys that know what love makes us stupid, right? So he works another seven years. And he has Rachel. Well, between his two wives and between their two handmaids, this guy Jacob has 12 boys. And they end up being known in the scriptures as the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, you may not be as familiar with the story as some, so let me help you out. Why would they be known as 12 tribes of Israel? Well, Jacob had a moment with God at one point in his life. He had such an encounter with God that God changed his name. Because Jacob was always carrying this reputation of being this con artist, this guy that had this bad reputation, God had a moment with him to the point where he said, I'm going to rename you, and he changed his name to Israel. So therefore, his boys were known as the, the, the boys of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. This message today is for anyone in this room or that could possibly hear it online. It's for anyone That feels like your life is just not turning out the way you hoped for. It's just not turning out the way you thought it would. Let's just be honest. It's not working. You can't put your finger on it. You can't quite tell why. But you just know, this is not really what I was hoping for. I had this thought in my mind. I had this thought in my, I had this vision. And this isn't it. Well, this sermon today is for you. Because Jacob is going to stop by at this local church for a few minutes. And he's going to tell you something that could change your life forever. But guess what? You're going to have to either take it or leave it. Because this is how life works. You can either Find out the truth about life on your own or you can listen to somebody that's been there and done that and it could save you a lot of headaches and a lot of pain. And Jacob is going to tell you today this statement and this is what we're going to work from for the next few minutes. And that is this. If you're not happy with the way how things are turning out in your life, Jacob would tell you, you need to let God have control of your life. Let me tell you a few things that will happen if you'll let God have control of your life. Because if you're not happy with how things have been going, it's on you. So you have to have a better solution, and that's to give control away. (laughs) And there's not a soul in this room that likes to give control away. We all love us some control. And Jacob's saying, well, you can have control. A miracle if you'll be willing to do what you don't want to do and give control away. Number one, if you'll give God control of your life, you'll get a new strength. Boy, I can't wait to preach to you guys today. A new strength. If you really want to know what was messing Jacob up, Jacob thought that any good thing that would ever happen to him in life 
was going to be because he made it happen. He thought if, if I get the interview and get the job, it's because of me. He thought if I go out for the team and I make it, it's because of me. He thought if, if, if I have any decent marriage, if I have any decent amount of happiness in this world, it's because of me. Man, that is some stressful kind of living when you think that anything and everything good that will ever happen to you is only because of you. That makes you a performer. That makes you wake up every day trying your best to create the best life for yourself. And then whenever you trip, Whenever something doesn't go your way, guess what it makes you do? It makes you start second-guessing yourself. It makes you start wearing uh, condemnation. It makes you start uh, 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 having uh, crazy thoughts like, 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 what have I done wrong? How have I messed up? If anything good is because of me, that means anything bad is because of me. And the next thing you know, you're looking yourself in the mirror and you're making statements like, what's the point in this thing anyway? I keep screwing this thing up. Why keep going on? And Jacob was living that life. So he was manipulating everything and he was manipulating everybody don't raise your hand but I would love to ask you do you know anybody that manipulates everything and everyone don't nudge don't point don't do that he starts out, he's the second born, right? And he's a twin. And he's got this older brother coming out of the womb. This boy thought that everything relied on him to the point where he just grabs his brother's ankle and pulls him back and says, forget about it, I want to be first. I mean, that's ruthless living. That's crazy. But he didn't stop because the rest of his life, Jacob was always stepping on others to get ahead. He was always twisting things around to get ahead. He was always working the numbers, cooking the books. He was constantly trying to trick his way in to something good for him. He didn't matter if he had to lie. It didn't matter if he had to, had to be dishonest. He didn't care. He just knew that he wanted something good to happen to him. And he was willing to be a dishonest, con artist, trickster just to get ahead. And everything was about his strength, his strength, until, until Genesis 32, he bumps into God down by the creek. And God says, man, what a miserable person I've bumped into. Sure, he's got a little bit of resources. Sure, he's put together a halfway decent plan for life, but look at him, bless his heart, he's miserable. He doesn't know if he's coming or going. He doesn't know what lie he's got to cover up. He doesn't know who he's told this to and who he's told that to. He's miserable. And God says, I'm going to see if I can help him. And the Bible tells us in Genesis 32 that they entered into this struggle. I don't know if you're here today and can relate with this or not. I can. I've had struggles with God where I could feel God pulling me into something unknown, pulling me into something for my good, but I was out of fear, me pulling back. 
him saying, come with me here, and me saying, no, absolutely not. And there was a struggle, and he would say, come do things my way. And I would say, absolutely not. I'm comfortable in my way. Let's do it my way. And it would be the tug of war or the wrestling match to the point where I was wondering who was going to win. Well, Jacob found out who was stronger because God loved him. You can't miss this part of the story, everybody. God loved him so much that he was willing to knock him off of that platform of authority. He was willing to cut him at his knees, so to speak. The Bible says that he loved him so much that he knocked his hip out of socket. You talk about a war going on within in the presence of God. When you get physically impaired, God's trying to say, Hey, listen, I'm trying to do something good for you, you stubborn little mule. And he says, if you're not willing to come with me to this secret place of greatness, then I'll just tell you and show you and I'll let you feel how weak you really are. And he, and he, and he knocks his hip out of socket and all of a sudden Jacob gives in and Jacob relinquished released control and God said why did it take this we didn't have to go this far let me tell you what Jacob's telling you today don't make it go that far in your life there is a better way and that is to give control over now before God has to take it There's a new strength. Guess what you get to start doing now? You get to start relying on God's strength, which you can't even measure. You get to start relying on God's wisdom, which you can't even measure. You get to start relying on God's resources, which you can't even measure. You get to start living your life plugged into a source greater than your own and it becomes stress-free living because now it's not all on you. Anybody remember the Old Testament reference in Scripture? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, but those that hope in the Lord, those that wait on the Lord, those that hope in the Lord will renew their strength. What does the Bible say? They'll mount up with wings like eagles. Last year, Denora and I had the uh, wonderful opportunity to finally go to somewhere that a lot of you love and a lot of you have been telling me for a long time to go to Colorado. We finally got to go to Colorado and and while we were there, we wanted to, you know, everybody was telling us, you got to do one of those rafting tours. And they said, man, it's going to be fast. It's going to be high energy. You're going to have a memory of a lifetime. It's going to just slam you around. It's going to be awesome. And man, I slapped that vest on and I am just pumped for this incredible experience. And they say, well, how old is your little one? And I said, she's seven. Well, she was six at the time. I said, she's six. And they said, oh, you can't go on this one. You got to go on this one. <laughs> and eight hours later and third degree burns later, we finally completed 
the crawl down the river. I'd have paid $1,000 for a Yamaha 75 on the back of that dude just to get it over with. But while we were there, right, babe, while we were there, the, the little tour guide on the little boat asked, y'all want to see an eagle? And I'm like, Lord, yeah, man, I'm from Texas. We don't see eagles every day. We got 7.9 million blackbirds at Kroger, but we don't have an eagle. <laughs> Y'all know it's true. Man, it's like the devil birds, aren't they? I'm not even going to tell y'all what I did to one of them before. So I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, coming up, we're going to come around this corner. Hopefully he'll be there. And man, there's that big, giant, beautiful eagle's nest. You ever see an eagle top out of one of them big, giant eagle's nests? And you're like, is that dude motorized or is he ever going to flap? I ain't going to flap. <laughs> is he going to nosedive or is he going to flap? I ain't going to nosedive and I ain't going to flap. How are you not going to flap, little eagle? Because I don't have to. You know why? Because them eagles, man, they tap into a strength that's not about their wings. They wait for that thermal current. They got this little power source that comes up when the time is right. It's amazing. And this is what God's wanting to do in your life. Because some of y'all are living like them little birds on your porch. You ever seen the little birds? They just hop around. You ever seen them? You can't see it, but they're just drenching with sweat. (laughs) Them little birds got little hand towels. Y'all know it's true. Meanwhile, daddy up up. Poor little dude. Look at little cousin Butch. Look at Butch. Butch just working. Look at Butch. Oh, Lord, look at Sally. Poor little Sally. Sally just driving herself crazy. Down and good Lord, you got Uncle Humming down there. Just looking for something red. What's old ball doing? Here's the deal. Some of y'all are living, man, on your own strength. And you're driving yourself crazy. You think anything and everything good that could ever happen to you is going to have to come from your wisdom, your work ethic, your intellect, your insight, your personality, your chemistry, your charisma. It's going to have to come from you. So you wake up early. You go to bed late. You try your best. And when things aren't quite working out the way you hope for, you just start just beating yourself up. It's not you. It was never intended to be your job. Adam and Eve got us into this work thing. God's plan for you was to have a life of dependency on him. And because of what Jesus has done on the cross, he has now brought us back 
all the way around and says, it may not look the way y'all thought it was going to look, but I've gone ahead and I've made that available again. You don't have to kill yourself, go crazy, working at your marriage, working at your finances, working, working, working. You don't have to take all of it on you, you, you. I went to the cross for you to create an easier way for you. And that was to give you a source of my strength. So the Holy Spirit wants to be like that thermal current. The Holy Spirit wants to breathe into you and let you just. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit just wants to come by your life and just breathe on you. And But you can do things the way you've always done them or you can listen to an old boy named Jacob and him say, you don't have to be frantic and flustered. There's a better strength. Somebody say it out loud. Give God control. We don't want to give control. This was not in my notes, and it just kind of came up this morning. I want to do it again. Anybody like watching that show Shark Tank? There's so much more honesty in this service than the first. I said in the first service, anybody like to watch Shark Tank? It's like, dude, you can be honest. Me and Denora love us some Shark Tank. We've got, what, baby, 112 episodes recorded now? We love watching Shark Tank. My kids like watching Shark Tank. Everybody else, they get around, you know, and they, they, they you know, everybody gets around, they, they watch like E.T., not us. We watch Shark Tank as a family. Where did E.T. come from right there? You can tell I don't watch many movies, right? E.T., wow. Phone out. Um, what happens in Shark Tank? We pitch this good idea. And these investors say, we'd love to partner with you. Most of the time they say, you're doing a great job with this particular object or this idea. You just need me to come along your side and help you a little bit to get you through and make the difference that you can't seem to get over the hump. But every now and then, those investors, boy, Mark Cuban or, or Kevin Leary, they'll, they'll look at that man or woman or team and they'll say, We'd love to partner with you, but you're going to have to give us complete control because you're heading in a direction that's got failure written all over it. Great idea, terrible execution. Great vision, awful logistic plan. We like you. We just don't like the way you're going. And we will partner with you if you give us 100% control. We'll, we'll fund you. We'll promote you. We'll make this thing happen, but you're going to have to give control. Have you ever seen the look on some of those people's face? Some of them go, absolutely not. Okay, have a good day. And we never hear of them again. And every now and then, Dylan, there'll be someone that's got half a brain, and they'll say, I need you. I would love for you to take control and make me wealthy. And the rest is history. They're off in Maui. 
how'd you make your money? I said, yes, to giving away control. (laughs) How have you built these homes and how do you have all this money? I had a good partner that I gave all control to. And some of us in this room are determined to not take the greatest offer ever given to any person. God is saying, I don't want to just be an investor. I want to make you and give you everything you've ever dreamed of having in this world. And I want to give you something that money can't buy, and that's eternal life. I want to change the course of history for you and your family. But I can't do it without being in control. And Jacob changed Everything for he and his life and future when he gave over control. And some of you today, you just need to go ahead and ask Jesus into your heart. And you need to make him Lord, which is an overseer and savior of your life and give him control. Someone say amen. Someone say I receive that. Let me tell you what else you get when you give God control. You don't only get new strength, but you have a new identity. You get a whole new identity. Matter of fact, let's erase that. If that's in your notes like that, erase it, scratch through it, delete it. You actually get to discover your original identity. The one you were created for. On this very day, at this local church, in our growth track, today's topic after this service is discover your purpose. You had a purpose before you were ever created. And if you'll give control over to God, God's going to reveal to you your original purpose and your original plan. The real you. Hey, everybody, that's so cool. I hadn't thought about it this way. You're not even living the real you when you're in control. Because God didn't create you to be in control. God created you with a need, the need to depend on Him. And if you'll give Him control, you'll find your real, true, original purpose in this life. Your real identity. How does that work? Well, Jacob, he gets his hip knocked out of socket. And and the next thing you know, God says, what's your name? And he's like, "You're, you're God. I don't know how you don't know my name, but it's Jacob. And he says, no longer. I knew your name. I wanted to know if you knew who you were. And now that you realize that you're known as a trickster, a cons artist, a a deceiver, I want you to hear it from me. You no longer have to be known as that. You from now on are Israel. What does that mean? That means you're one of mine. You're a prince of God. So therefore, let every decision you make, let every action you take, let every choice that you entertain, let every step you take from this day forward, be it through the vision, through the, through the uh, lens, let it be through this truth that you're no longer who you used to be. You're new. You're now a prince with God. Here's the truth of the matter. God never sees you as you see you he sees you on who you can be let me give it to you quick today he'll also give you a new joy a new joy think about all the happiness Jacob had (laughs) I tricked my brother out of the inheritance (laughs) pretty cool isn't it I played I, I, I played my mom and dad into the inheritance And he's got all this happiness because he's got a little money. He's got some possessions. He's got some resource. So now all of a sudden he's got a little swag about him. And he thinks he's arrived. And who did it, by the way? Oh, it was all me. 
But when he gave control over to God, God gave him strength that wasn't his own. And he gave him, he gave him a new name or identity. But then God also gave him joy, which is not built on stuff or it's not built on circumstance. In other words, he gave him a joy that was not based on how things were going in his life. It was based on who he was in God. The Bible says in Genesis 32 and 29 that he blessed Jacob there. The blessings of God are not just more stuff. It's a joy to smile through hell on earth. Have you ever known somebody going through hell on earth, but yet they smile and they worship and they praise and they're actually consistent in their relationship with God when everything in hell is coming against them and makes you wonder, what do they have that I don't have? They're not happy, they have joy. Happy is when you got money in your pocket. Happy is when your bills are paid. Happy is when your wife's happy. Come on, somebody. (laughs) We all know what happy is. But happy can turn sad real quick. But joy? God says it ain't about if your car's running right. It's not about if you didn't get the promotion or not. Joy is your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And come hell or high water on this earth, I know all is good because I've got a strength that's not my own. I've got my identity changed. I'm no longer my own man. I've been bought with a price. And I'm saved. And I'm joyful about it. Somebody say amen this morning. So Jacob's probably picking up his briefcase, putting his backpack on and He's ready to be done with all of us at Calvary at this second service. And he says, let me give you a few more words of encouragement. You'll need to know this if you're going to make it living for God. Here's number one. Brokenness will always precede a breakthrough. You'll never have a change in your life until you hit bottom. Mother Teresa She said it this way, you will never know God is all you need until he is all you have. Jacob was as low, as low, as low as he could go. And he realized, I'm not winning this match. I'm losing this wrestling match. And he was at rock bottom when God knocked his hip out of socket. And he gave him a strength beyond his own. He changed him in his identity and he gave him a joy that was unspeakable and full of glory. But it was Jacob now telling us on his way out the door, remember, you don't get to having a breakthrough like I've had until you've been broken like I've been broken. I speak to every person in this room that you feel like you're as low as it could get. In a very tender moment, let me speak to your heart. You feel like Your life's a wreck. You feel like you're on the bottom while everybody else is on top. You may not have even said this to your spouse or your children or maybe it's to your parents. You've not breathed a word to anybody but you honestly feel like, man, this thing's unraveling. This is not what I signed up for. Can I tell you something today? You're one decision away. One decision, one choice, one action away 
from everything changing in your life. You could either continue down that path and let it unravel because life will unravel. Or you can snap out of that way of thinking and give control over to God and say, God, I'm done. I'm done with this. I can't seem to make any right choices. I've tried to do it my way and it's not working out for my good. Would you slide over into this driver's seat and help me? I'm at my wit's end. I am broken. And instantly you're going to find that yet that decision just opened the door that has a sign on it. And that sign says breakthrough. And you literally just open that door and you're walking through everything changing forever. Because you cannot have all that God has for you and keep all that you want for you. God has this big world of breakthrough, this big world of deliverance, this big world of blessing ready for you. But you're going to have to let go in order to receive. Hey, if I, were to put a, if I were to put a dime in your hand and you were to just clench it and then I had a $100 bill and would love to put it in there, are you really not going to open that hand and just keep that dime or would you say, you can have the dime, give me that hunter. God's wanting you to let go of what's not working in your life and give you something greater. And it's going to come through brokenness. Let me try to hurry and finish today. First Peter chapter 5. Let me tell you what God opposes and then let me tell you what God blesses. Everybody with me? God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. In Jacob's arrogance, God was against him. In Jacob's brokenness, God was for him. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may, he may lift you up. Anybody tired of trying to lift yourself up? Let God lift you up. Number two, I think this is what he would tell us. Before you can find yourself, you're going to have to lose yourself. <laughs> Anybody felt like you lost yourself before? <laughs> That's God's idea. He wants you to lose yourself. He wants you to become second. I am second because God is first. Mark chapter 8, verse 35, and then New Living Translations. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life, you'll save it. And I close with this today, and then I'll pray over you. Paul said in the book of Romans chapter number 12. Paul said in Romans chapter number 12, and I read to you from the message translation. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your everyday ordinary life. You know the one, eating, drinking, sleeping, working, going about your everyday business. Take that ordinary life and I want you to place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. So don't become well adjusted to your culture that you fit into culture without even thinking about it. Instead, fix your attention on God. And you will be changed from the inside out. Stand today.
before you start stirring and before you start moving around, I close with these two questions. If you're here today, my first question is, if you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, you've never given him control over your future, the preacher would say it this way. If you're not sure if you're saved by the grace of God, then my question is, Would you like to make that decision today? Because I would say that today's the best day to do it. Why is it the best day? Because we're living right now in today and you have this moment to make a great decision. The best decision you'll ever make. But I told you I have two questions. My second question is this. If you're here today and you love the Lord, you love him and you've trusted him with your salvation have you been guilty of sliding back into the driver's seat of your life are you starting to call the shots again without consulting God and prayerfully considering the will of God then how about you slide back over to the uh, the passenger seat today and ask God to forgive you for trying to take things over again. And why don't you make a new fresh commitment to being a follower of Jesus. I want you to bow your heads. To my first question. If on this Sunday of May the 21st, you're ready to give control over to Jesus Christ and absolutely wholeheartedly from the depths of your personal life, your heart, admit that you need him to save you. I want you to lift your hand quickly and I want to help you and pray with you and lead you to Jesus today. Lift it up quickly, real big, way up high. There you go. I see you back there. Keep it up. Be proud of what you're doing right now. That's beautiful. Oh, I see you right over here. Come on, lift it up. Oh, I see you right here in the center. Now there's going to be a whole lot more hands join you while you keep your hands lifted up. If you're here today and you're ready to give him control because you've you've kind of unfortunately slid back into calling the shots in your life and you're you're tired of getting yourself in that mess lift your hand real quick you're you're ready to make that next step yeah i see you i see you god bless you for every hand that's lifted up and there's so many i'm about to pray and my words are simply to help you get started you yourself need to take these words and make them your own and speak them from the depths of your very heart. Dear Lord Jesus, I turn to you right now. Forgive me of my sin and my selfish ways. I have heard today and I've realized today that you were speaking to me. I've been living in a selfish, sinful way 
I've been calling the shots for my own life. And I apologize, God. I repent of my sin. Because that's what it is, God. I've been going against you. And I ask you to forgive me. I don't know how it all works, but God, I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me. May your grace cover me. I've gotten myself in a mess. This life's not what I thought it was going to be. But I've heard today that there's a better alternative. And I give you my future. Forgive me and receive me and lead me into a full understanding of who you are and what you have for me. I give you control. I've never followed before, but I'm ready to try it. I want to follow you. I want to follow you. That's it, everybody, with your hands lifted up. That's the love of God. That's the love of God. I give you my tomorrows, God. I give you my life. I surrender all to you. And I make this decision on my own. And I make it with a clear mind and a grateful heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's clap our hands to the Lord today. I celebrate with you and I congratulate you guys today. Now be like Israel. you're no longer Jacob and grow close to God and watch where God takes you he's going to take you places you never could have gotten on your own I bless you in Jesus name don't go to lunch on your own invite someone with you who knows I might be free I love you and I bless you today in the name of the Lord have a wonderful week in Jesus